Our scripture reading for this morning will come from 1 Peter, chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. 1 Peter, chapter 2, beginning with verse 13, and I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Submit yourselves, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether to a king, as the one in the authority, or to governors, as sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men. And do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin. And live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep. But now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Is life fair? (laughs) The title of my lesson this morning is No Fair. You ever said that? Probably Hopefully you said that more often when you were younger than you do now as you mature. No fair. Fair, defined, marked by impartiality and honesty. Free from self-interest, prejudice, or favoritism. We all like to be treated fairly. And so we should treat others fairly. Who doesn't like freedom? We are an independent-minded bunch, aren't we? We like to at least have a say in the direction that we take. Sometimes we insist on being listened to. I need to have a voice. Yet we know that we can use our liberty, and perhaps too often do, to do things, to say things that we shouldn't. Let me ask you this. Is mankind 
innately, by nature, good. Listen to these words of Paul. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We're going to talk about several principles this morning that uh, may raise your eyebrows and certainly is not being taught in our schools. Mankind left to himself is by nature a creature of sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why every man and woman stands in need of God's redemption, of Christ's sacrifice upon the cross, which we will talk about today. We were by nature children of wrath. Now, I hope that doesn't hurt your psyche. But what it says is man is not his own best friend, nor is man his own savior. We can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps to heaven. There's much we can do with industry, but we can't work our way. We can't earn our way into God's good graces. Only Christ can get us there. Man is not innately good. You think about the first sin committed by mankind in the garden. Eve suffered no peer pressure whenever she ate of the forbidden fruit. Paul says it this way to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. She believed the lie that Satan told her. And it took no pressure from anyone else. In fact, in actuality, if you continue to read there in 1 Timothy 2 after verse 14... It's Adam that yielded to Eve's peer pressure. He knew what he was doing was wrong. He had not been deceived. Why did he do that? Why did he eat of the fruit when given to him by Eve? We can surmise many things. One, I think, might be he knew he was about to lose Eve if he didn't get into the same boat that she had taken. Why do we do what we do? Because man believes the lie that Satan Yes, peer pressure often comes in to uh, be a factor, but we know it's not just the only reason. So as we look again at verse 16 here in 1 Peter 2, freedom is talked about, but so is slavery. Look Look at the juxtaposition between these two concepts. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but you use it as bond slaves of God. Necessarily, we understand Peter's talking to Christians, those who have already been redeemed by Christ, and he'll allude to that again in the latter part of this chapter. But he says to them, your mindset needs to be that you are at liberty, but it's a liberty to do the things that God wants you to do. He is your master. This entire passage is a calling to submission by Christians. And he begins saying that we need to be submissive to those that God has put into power, to kings and to governors. We noticed this when we went through the book of Romans in chapter 13, 
how Paul was saying the very same things, that governments exist according to God's will. Now, we know that it's not godly men necessarily that are in power, but it is God who raises up kingdoms and takes them down. We can see clearly when the Israelite tribes were carried away by Assyria, when the remaining tribes of Judah were carried away by Babylon, that God uses powers to punish his own people. We don't know in our own span of time exactly how God is working. What Paul is saying is trust that he is working. Those powers that be are ordained by God. Oh, that's so hard to accept. That's not fair if we don't like the government that is over us. But what's the lesson to be learned? It's to walk in righteousness regardless. Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. If I trust that God is at work in the powers that be and in my daily life, then I am going to meet the challenges that I face with a frame of mind that is humble, contrite, and righteous. Turn with me to hymn number 464. 464. Know me day by day and with each passing moment strength I find to meet my trials here trusting in my Father's wise bestowment I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly it's part of pain and pleasure. Mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day the Lord himself is near me. With a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is counselor and power the protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid as thy days thy strength shall be in measure this the pledge to me he made. Help me then in every tribulation so to trust thy promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith's sweet consolation offered me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take as from a father's hand. 
and one by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ah, to take them one by one, like from your hand, Father. If we have that kind of trust in our lives, we rise above the fray, don't we? God is not asking us to be able to explain why our lives are like they are. He is simply saying, trust me. After all, in the parable of the men with talents, they were given varying degrees, five, two, one. What was the key? Not how they were blessed, but how they used the blessings that they received. So too God blesses us that we might bring honor to him. And he says, it honors him when I respect authority. Even authority that is not easy to take. What would Satan have us to do? To ignore our creator's commandments, his wishes, and instead indulge in our own passions. No, it requires us to walk by faith in humility in all our relationships. For the Lord's sake, submit yourselves. The passage there where he begins to talk to slaves talks about those who are unreasonable. From verse 18, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. That word unreasonable is the Greek word scolios. You know folks who have scoliosis? That's what it means. The master who is crooked, who is not one that you can make any sense out of why he's asking you to do the things that he wants you to do. Even to those as Christians. If Christians found themselves to be slaves when they were converted, then they were to remain in that state and be the best slave that that master had. Listen to these words from 1 Corinthians 7, beginning with verse 22. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You are bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. He's not saying seek out slavery, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit says, be satisfied with whatever state you were in when you were called. Why? Because it's not in our hands. Now, if you can avoid becoming a slave, then do so. But it's not in our hands to determine why we are where we are at the time that we live. That's in God's hands. We have no control over ultimately God's purpose. We are simply to yield, to trust in him day by day. To allow the Lord to be our guard and our guide. Paul has often talked of these matters. It seems a little perhaps uh, exceptional to hear Peter using these words. Because Peter would have been coming from uh, a Hebrew background. 
with less than a, a Gentile point of view quite often, but he's grown and he has matured. And he understands clearly through the Holy Spirit that we are those who are to be an example to others. I have written out on the marquee, no fair to suffer for doing right, yet it is our calling. Read now with me in First Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 20. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose. No fair to suffer for doing right, yet it is our calling. And then Peter uses the example which should humble all of us. For you have been called for this purpose, verse 21, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Do you see him? Certainly upon the cross as he hung there, spilling his lifeblood so that I wouldn't have to pay the price for sin, for the wages of sin is death. But see him also as in the flesh, coming down to earth, first as a babe, then as a boy, then as a young man, submitting himself to his parents' wishes, going where they went, then in his ministry as he travels about, having been rejected by his hometown, leading those disciples who would become apostles for the most part, submitting himself to earth's trials and pains and temptations, tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin, the Hebrew writer says. Christ suffering for uh, certainly the image there on the cross is predominant in our mind. And that's the example we are to follow did he suffer for doing right? Continue reading with me, verse 22 of 1 Peter 2. Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. No fair, he could have been screaming at the top of his lungs. Life isn't fair, is it? Where would we be if he hadn't continued to act out of love and do what was best for us? We would have no salvation, would we? Peter goes on, And yet he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. There's a neat passage in Hebrews chapter 10 that talks about the body of Christ, having been prepared for this very purpose. Verse 5 of Hebrews 10. Therefore, when he can't, comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Christ is looking back, and this is being prophesied as well, looking back on all the animal sacrifices and saying, It's not been about animal blood. No, it's always been about this sacrifice that I must give. And you have given me a body in order to shed my blood 
for the sins of the world. Verse 10 of Hebrews 10, By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I guarantee you there's not a one of us in this auditorium who has suffered to the point of death. At least not yet. Christ did that. And yet he was totally innocent. We might look at ourselves and say, well, I really deserve that. And we do. But Christ never deserved punishment or correction. And yet he did suffer without complaint. When reviled, he reviled not in return. Uttering no threats. But he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Isaiah 53 and verse 9. His grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Paul says to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning with verse 3, that it is our destiny to suffer for, the, for righteousness' sake, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. Why are lessons like this important for Christians? Paul says, when I was with you in Thessalonica, I kept telling you over and over, life is not a bed of roses, unless you count the thorns. Life is not fair. We are called to walk in righteousness, and for that we will suffer affliction. It is our destiny. It is what we are called to do. Why is that? Well, I want you to imagine an athlete or a soldier on the field, whether it's a game or the field of duty. The true ones accept the challenge, don't they? Because they know the reason or the cause for which they stand strong. The psalmist said in Psalms 84 and verse 5, How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. No fair, we might scream at the top of our lungs, and it would be to no avail, wouldn't it? We might decide that it's just not right for these things to be taking place in my life. I deserve better. What kind of frame of mind is that? It's a selfish one, isn't it? full of self-interest when we scream like that. Paul had said in Romans 12, verse 1, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Why are these lessons so important for us to understand? And especially if I'm young and aspiring, it's not wrong to want to aspire to do your best but it's not something you deserve to have. You can work hard and still suffer for it. Paul says, I warned you, Thessalonians, that we would suffer affliction. What's most important? 
Not your own selfish interest, but what God would have you to be. Think of the change in the life of Peter from fisherman to apostle. In the life of all the apostles, Saul of Tarsus to Paul the apostle. It was God's will. And what was it God told Ananias as he encouraged him to go and visit with Saul of Tarsus and tell him the gospel? He said to Ananias, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my sake. We must simply trust God day by day, one day, one moment at a time, that what is taking place is best for us. And all things do work together for good. To them who are called according to his purpose. Listen again to this psalm. What's in the heart of the man who is seeking God? How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. My most exceptional and important goal in life should be to be with my Lord and my God forever in heaven. That should be the map that's on my heart. How do I get to heaven? Not how do I attain the next level, the next rank, the next honor. Not how can I hold myself up before others and be praised, but to seek God's praise, to honor him. It's my lot as a Christian to be ready and willing. Even if I found myself in slavery To an unjust master, yes, to be ready and willing to serve my God, to suffer unjustly if necessary, because he is my strength, he is my treasure, he is my all in all. Let's close with the song, hymn number 529, 529. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus Lamb of God, worthy is your name, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. When the dark powers had done their worst, Jesus brought victory o'er their curse. He is our all in all. Death could not hold the King of kings. Now to his heirs new life he brings. He is our all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name.
You are my strength. You are my treasure. You are my all in all. No fair to suffer for doing right. It's our calling. 